Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Election College, episode number 319, Richard Milhouse Nixon, part three. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts... Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, we're back to talk about Millhouse again. Of course we are. And why wouldn't we? Because his name's Millhouse. We're just going to dwell on Richard Nixon, Millhouse, for years. Well, we're just going to camp out here. Well, well eh, okay. We'll, we'll do that. At least through the end of this episode. That's right. So let's let's just jump right into it. At the last uh, end of the last episode, we talked about how Nixon may be running for president, but this came after he was previously vice president. Then he kind of went out into the wilderness for a few years, wasn't really heard from too much, and then decides he's going to run for president at the end of 1967. And we kind of compared that to the current day situation here in 2020 of how Joe Biden was in office as the vice president, left office. He's been there, but he's also been not there. And now he's running for president again. And that may be something that happens. Uh, history repeats itself. But anyway, so he tells his family he's going to run for president again. And they're like, are you an idiot, Richard? Because <laughs> you already did that once and it didn't work out. And then we had to go away into the wilderness for a while. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Pat, his wife, was very supportive of his ambitions, and she didn't really enjoy being in the public spotlight all that much. But she was very supportive and believed that with all the issues going on and knowing his stances and his, you know, what, you know, his character and everything, she thought that he, as a Republican, had a pretty good shot at winning. Yeah. I mean, everything's just a hot mess in 1968. And aside from RFK being assassinated and just really no clear direction going for the Vietnam War. I mean, you've got the Tet Offensive going on, uh, Johnson, Bales. Things are not looking good for the Democrats at all. On the Republican side, Nixon has Michigan Governor George Romney and... You got Nelson Rockefeller. He's he's on the scene, and you got Ronald Reagan, who hadn't quite emerged as a strong candidate as of yet on the national scene. Um, yeah, Nixon is like I'm a uniter, not a divider, and he's an inspirator. He is an inspirator. <laughs> Have we ever used that word on the podcast? I don't think so, guys and gals. Ladies and gentlemen, inspirator is one of my favorite words. I once heard somebody say that, and I tried to buy the 
domain, like the .com. And it turns out an inspirator <laughs> is actually like some sort of engineering thing. Anyway, an inspirator is Richard Nixon in 1968. He goes up against Hubert Humphrey, who's the vice president, and the Democrats just continue their chaotic <laughs> primary. I mean, the, that's where you have the convention that had all the protests, and it's just riots and all kinds of naughtiness going on. Did you like the King James there? I did. It was very the nice. Naughtiness. And some people will get that. Uh-huh. And you've got this silent majority, right? Who is vying against, um, you know, the silent majority. And Nixon is all over TV. He's saying, I'm going to promote peace. I've got all kinds of plans. Johnson's efforts to negotiate a truce or at least a ceasefire, they're not working. And... On top of all the Democrats' problems, you've got George Wallace saying, Hey, I'm going to run. <laughs> so you got the South all divided up. If you look at the map, I'm the map, I'm the map. Oh, man. Oh, no. Just taught my kid about Dora. Oh, no. I'm like, okay, basically, you got three plots. <laughs> Not, I mean, you got one plot for all of the stories. You got three steps. Right, right. So I'm the map. You've got three steps to a Nixon victory. You've got the Democrat. See how I did that? I did. That was very nice. Totally made it relevant. I should. You should get an award for that. Yeah, I'm the election college RVing podcast (laughs) winner. There you go. Um, You've got Wallace who divides up the South. You've got Nixon who just totally trounces Humphrey. Everywhere except like Texas and New York and Pennsylvania. Those were the big biggies. He's going to win his own own state of Minnesota, right? Nixon wins. And he's inaugurated in January of 1969. Earl Warren, who was his political rival early on, swears him in. And Pat is there by his side. She's like, finally, dude. <laughs> finally. <laughs> Okay, so a big thing that's going to be, you know, really relevant during Nixon's term, which everything's relevant when you're the president, right? But a big thing is going to be the idea of foreign policy. And you've got things happening in China. You've obviously got the Vietnam War going on. You've got Latin America that needs some attending to, especially coming off the heels of the Bay of Pigs invasion and the Cuban Missile Crisis and stuff like that that really takes a front seat in Latin American policy over the last decade before this. The Soviet Union is obviously a part of a lot of that, especially the part with the Cuban Missile Crisis and and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Don't forget, by the way, about the Middle East, because they're in a bit of an uproar as well. Now, I don't want to spend too, too much time on all of that, because this is a podcast about Nixon, not necessarily about all of his individual policies. But if you have some time, it'd be a good read. During the time that Nixon takes office in 1969, inflation is really high. It's certainly the highest since the Korean War. And after some of the policies that Johnson had put into place, along with all the other economic things going on because of the 
political climate in the world, not only the country, the economy is just like a mess. Not unlike a lot of other times in our society, but it's definitely a mess right when Nixon gets in. And so he's got to deal with inflation and he's got to deal with foreign affairs. He's got to deal with other types of domestic policies, civil rights. You know, this is right in the er the big era, the first wave of civil rights in the U.S. and, you know, Malcolm X and, and uh, MLK Jr. Uh, all of them are just, this is just a lot of things for, for the president to handle at the time. And then comes space. Hey, uh, why not go to space? Or why not? We've already been to space. Why not go back a couple times? So they sign on some extra things for him to go to space. And before you know it, 1972 is coming up. And this is where things get a little sticky for Nixon. Yeah, so you've got Nixon, who is just tearing up. Um, I don't know if tearing up is the right word. But <laughs> he's doing really well on the international stage. And yeah, yeah, astronauts to the moon. And <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm having a Saturday Night Live flashback. <laughs> anyway, he just rocks it in 1972 he wins everything except massachusetts and dc and of course his opponent was uh, george mcgovern so no way no way are the democrats going to win in 1972 which kind of makes you think why would you spy or why would people in your party spy on the opposing party and that's exactly what happens. It's the whole Watergate thing. And we have... Uh, how many episodes did we do on Watergate? At least two, I think. Yeah. Back in the early days of the... Of maybe five years ago, literally, <laughs> I think. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. But you got all kinds of spying going on. Uh, the Republicans spying on the Democrats. You wonder if the Democrats were spying on the Republicans and nobody got caught. I'm just saying. If somebody's spying on somebody, there's almost definitely spying happening on, on the reverse as well. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. Are you taking a stand? Yes. <laughs> Did you ever notice, like, <laughs> uh, I, I find myself being being like this. Like, sometimes you get really suspicious of someone's motives, and then you realize the reason I'm suspicious is because this is what I would do in their in, if I were in their shoes. And I feel like that's the, like, oh, were they looking for spy stuff because they were also spying and they thought of it? And I don't know. That's just my opinion. Obviously, we don't know for sure. But I would say if one person's spying, so is the person they're spying on. Yeah. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale 
at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. So he resigns the presidency. He, he's going to get impeached. He's going to be convicted. The tide was really running against him. We'll talk about Gerald Ford maybe in the next episode. Yeah. So he goes off the scene and, I mean, do we give it all away by saying that Ford pardons him? Yeah. Sure. Yes, we do. Yeah. I, I We're just going like... to say Ford pardons Nixon a lot. It affects. <laughs> That's what happens. And then the whole concept of election college gets thrown out of the window for a few years because you have a president who was never elected in office because Rockefeller, who is Nixon's VP, resigns. He's got his own set of scandals. You got Ford, who becomes the vice president, and then he's the president. But we're talking about Nixon. He already, by December of 1974, plans his comeback to public life. He becomes ill, uh, which who wouldn't become ill? You can imagine the stress, right? Yeah. Um, but he he's back in action. Um, he gets disbarred by the New York uh, Bar Association. But like, like you're going to be president and you're going to go become a lawyer again, right? Hey, it could happen, I suppose. You never know. Yeah. Right. I guess not. <laughs> but during the Carter administration, he goes and serves as kind of an elder statesman. He, you know, he's flying uh, to China. He's being that elder statesman guy who you could... Did I say elder statesman a lot? It's all right. I mean, that's what he becomes. Yeah. He's there. He's around. And you see him uh, pop up during the Reagan years a good bit. In 1990, the Nixon Library and Birthplace in Yorba Linda, California opens. It opens as a private institution. Um Reagan, Ford, George H.W. Bush, they all attend. And there's been a lot of good comments that I've heard about the Nixon Library, like that it's a really cool place to go. I've never been, but that's what I've heard. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. Uh, I'd like to go to all the libraries uh, at some point, except for the McKinley Library because it's garbage. That's oh. that's a story I've told before and I won't tell again right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> So on um, June 22nd of 1993, Pat, his wife, uh, dies from emphysema and lung cancer. And they have her funeral on the grounds of the Richard Nixon Library and birthplace. That's where he was born. And, of course, he is distraught. And it's not a whole lot longer after that, less than a year after that. And... Nixon has a stroke, has uh, complications that come from that stroke, uh, of course, moves on to swelling in the brain and things like that. He slips into a coma, and just a few days later, he passes away. And he's 81 years old. I think that's one of the older presidents, former presidents at that time, uh, and really in recent history. Obviously, the, I think the age is actually getting a little... The age of election, I think Obama threw off the curve, but is getting a little older now. Um, but either way, that's one of the older ones at the time. 
And so he gets buried next to his wife, Pat, on the grounds of the Nixon Library. And, of course, they didn't have a full state funeral. He didn't want to. The state would have still given him a funeral. But I think probably the idea of uh, having to resign in office kind of made him less likely to want that. Also, Jason, I was wondering, kind Mm -hmm. of off-the-rails comment here, but... You know how, like, if you're president and then you're not president anymore, the normal way, you get you still get Secret Service, even if it's a scaled-back Secret Service for the rest of your life? Yeah. Did, did Richard Nixon? Oh, yeah, I would imagine. I would think he would have to, but since he resigned, I didn't know if he'd kind of lose that. I don't know. I guess, no, t- I I guess legally, legally and technically, he was never convicted of any wrongdoing. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know what's interesting about his later life, too, is that he had a good relationship with Bill Clinton. I did know that. I remember seeing pictures of them hanging out. It's really strange because I can remember this era when the Democrats and Republicans used to get along. A lot of the young people now these days, they just think that you have to be all the way swayed one direction or the other. And these people got along. Like, Yeah. Kind of a strange thing. The one that gets me is um, you've seen the pictures of him and Elvis. Yes. Like you go to Graceland and or Graceland, 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 Priscilla. <laughs> but um, you know you you see Nixon with all of these pop people yeah. during his presidency, and it it just seems very strange. But I mean, Obama kind of had, had that, but. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like Obama was a little more hip than Nixon. Oh, yeah. I mean, Obama, whether you love the guy or, or really don't, nobody can deny that he's like a hip, cool dude. Like, I just feel like, you know, he's just kind of suave. But you don't see Nixon as being like, I would never describe him as suave, but he certainly got around with uh, with the celebrities. Yeah, he's got this weird vibe to him i've heard people say that he was just the epitome of an unhappy person yeah yeah and retribution was something that seemed like he really wanted but jason you you talked about how nobody gets along anymore and i think you're right in the public eye but we've been told stories by insiders who would know that's all just an act Uh, Maybe not everybody. I'm sure some people don't actually like each other and maybe even more so now, but like everybody disagrees on the, on the floor of of the house and Senate, but behind closed doors, you know, they're still having drinks and smoking cigars and working out deals and stuff like that. It's kind of, kind of gross. It is. And it's kind of like, I don't know, I'm a baseball fan Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm a fan of this team. And then the player gets traded to another team and he just totally gets loyal to is loyal to the new team. And then you're stuck as the fan still rooting for the team. Yeah. Man, we are a disgusting creature (laughs) sometimes. It is an interesting conundrum to be in. Well, that's it. That's, I mean, that's Richard Nixon. He was, he was, born and then he was president and then he was he was not alive anymore that's kind of how all of them go man i hope that wherever he is now like i don't know just think of that quaker upbringing and i've been studying william penn and things like that for the other podcast Mm -hmm. and 
just thinking he has that heritage. And then those tapes, they're just so nasty. Yeah. Yeah. And the not to get too political here, but the the worst part about those tapes is that now, even though they would still be illegal, they would be like, eh, eh nobody cares about that. <laughs> like, yeah. it's so weird how his whole life was changed. Not to say he didn't do other wrong things, but his whole life was changed because of something that now we would look at and be like, yeah, that's what people do. Very bizarre. Oh, I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> hey, while you're taking a shower, where can people listen to that other podcast? Oh, that? Yeah, it's called Before They Were States. And we just launched the second episode on William Penn. And it can be found anywhere you find great podcasts. So I'm on Apple, uh, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. And the handle on social media is Before States. There you go. And you can find us on social media as well. Pretty much look up Election College, not Electoral College, and you'll find us. Uh, you can send us a message, interact, whatever. We love that. We also would appreciate it if you used our Amazon affiliate link. Go over to electioncollege.com slash Amazon. And I'm not on Facebook anymore, Jason, but you are. So if people want to go mm -hmm. over to, uh, to electioncollege.com slash Facebook, or is it group? Uh, you can do electioncollege.com slash group. There's a group and there, and that, maybe I there. would pop back in. Maybe I would I'm, pop back in. I'm hanging out there yeah. if yeah. you want to come. I just, I can't take it anymore. That's all there is to it. Hey, you know what? While we're doing uh, all this banter about social media, people really should consider, if you haven't already, to leave us a rating and review. Oh, man, yes. We read those. We do. We, even... we actually print them out and sleep with them. Uh, there's one thing you didn't mention, and that's that we do a happy dance. I, I know some people have forgotten about the happy dance. Oh, yeah. But when we get a good rating or review, we actually do a happy dance. And Yeah, you know you know the dancing monkey on, spi on Skype? That's <laughs> yeah. what we look like. <laughs> We've said that so many times that now, literally, uh, it's sometimes it's kind of half-hearted, but when, when I do see a new review, I'll kind of like throw my hand up in the air just so I can say I actually did a happy dance. I am happy, and I did a little dance, so, you know. I go nuts. The art shakes because I dance. Wow. In fairness, the RV shakes if I'm in it when I sneeze, so. That's true. Yeah, that's because I'm a big guy. I'm not homeless. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>